For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey guys, how y'all doing? Bears win! Happy Thanksgiving! Did, did one of you have that score right? I swear someone had 16 to 14 or something like that. I had 16-13 Lions, though. I think I had yeah. like 17-13 Bears or some stupid shit. It was, we, were, we were all in the same ballpark. <laughs> for real. I mean, what is... How many years in a row have these two teams played on Thanksgiving? Have we four. Like four? Yeah. And we beat him twice be the, Chase Daniel. The new, tra- the new tradition? I was going to say the new transition. I All right, so I actually like the Bears playing on Thanksgiving. I think it's interesting. It gives me something to watch. The Lions are beatable. I mean, last year they – did they play – did the Lions – the Lions might have played the Texans last year, actually. I'm not sure. I thought we I played them was, last year. We played them I a feel lot. Like we played them at least three times over the past four years. I thought it was like four years in a row. I thought we play them like every year now. Anyway, it's it's not a bad tradition. I like it. It's fun. You know, if you're going to have the Lions, the winningest team on Thanksgiving Day, play anybody, it should be the Chicago Bears. And, yes, they are the winningest team on Thanksgiving Day. The Cowboys have played the most, but they lose the a Cowboys lot. Have played, they, they've played more than the Lions? Yeah, I don't know how that works out, but yes. Damn. Damn. <laughs> well, the Bears did win. Uh, Andy Dalton looked uh, like average Andy Dalton again. All right, so it, it's so weird because I would say Andy Dalton is a, an oddly good fit for Matt Nagy's offense. He's just not very good. But, like, the plays they call for him fit his skill set well, I think. It's just Except- weird that Matt Nagy needs the perfect QB to run his system, which I'm not calling Andy Dalton the perfect QB, but – that style of QB, you know, which you'd think, you know, like if everybody's modeling it after Kansas city and after the Andy Reed tree, the most successful quarterbacks in that offense have been mobile quarterbacks in Donovan McNabb and Pat Mahomes and Alex Smith, to be honest. I mean, Alex Smith is a pretty mobile quarterback. I think he's four six forty coming out of college. So I don't understand this kind of pocket, almost game manager type quarterback that Nagy insists on having. And I don't know if you guys have seen the tape where uh, on that interception that he threw to bird in the, in the red zone, like commit is just like all by himself on the, uh, on the, uh, like the slip wheel route. Matt can't out. buy a touchdown this year. He can't buy one. It's just like anytime they have a chance, it's either going to Jimmy Graham or another receiver. Jimmy, that was Jimmy touchdown. Graham's first touchdown of the year. So. Dude, I knew. I said that so early in the morning. I, 
I told you guys, I said, I have a weird feeling Jimmy Graham's going to score today. Would you look at that? You have a lot of weird hunches, though. Like, I can't bet on all of your hunches. They, I'd go broke. Not that one. That one would have made you some money. This one I was confident in. It was plus 700. I was going to say, if you lose a bunch of minus 110s and then you win a plus 700, it doesn't really matter. I guess it all equals out, right? Yes. Yes. We'll see. We'll see who the hunch of the week is this week. I feel like A Rob is due for a touchdown, but we will see how it goes. A fraud. A fraud. I mean, he is due. He when's the did he what does he have? One touchdown this year? He sucks. Does he have any? No. He has one. Has he he broken five yards? He got one in the first or second week. So while we're speaking of this, uh, let's talk about the emergence of Darnell Mooney because whether A Rob is playing or not, Mooney has looked like a piece the Bears can build around moving forward. But for personally, uh, he's not a number one receiver, in my opinion. He's a very good number two. He's a very good complementary piece. I don't think he could ever be the Bears one. Um, some of the drop issues he had in college are still apparent. I mean, he's not really a contested catch guy. But all that being said, he's a pretty good route runner. He's a burner. And Justin Fields seems to love throwing to him. Obviously, Fields didn't play this week, but... I mean, Mooney just had a huge game. What What do you guys feel about him moving forward? Do you think, uh, you know, do you think he's number one material or no? No, I think your assessment of him is is pretty spot on. I think he is uh, a, a, could be a really good number two guy. He's got uh, some raw running ability and and, and obviously great great speed. Um, but exactly like you said, uh, trouble trouble at the catch point and, and some drop issues here and there. I I, I think that. Uh, he might be able to serve. Let's say the Bears draft somebody uh, as a rookie this coming year. He might be able to fill that role for a year, but I think ultimately you're probably going to be looking for him to be a complimentary 1B type two number two receiver. Uh, But I think he'll be a damn good one because I like what he's been doing this year. Uh, He's been the only receiver the Bears can trust. Uh, Everybody else is MIA. I feel the same. I think he's a 1A, 1B type wide receiver. Um he is by far and away leading the team in receiving yards. Do you guys know who number two is? David Montgomery. Is it, is it Cole Komet? It is Cole Komet. Cole Komet's really can, been coming on lately. And it's we can a talk of, a lot of shit about him, but he's got like, he's only got 30 more, 20 ish more yards than Robinson on seven more catches, but his yak is way better. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, but it, like the the thing about Komet too is like I I don't think we here at Believe in Monsters have really ragged on that pick at all. I mean, I think we're all kind of like, yeah, he has potential to be a solid player for the Bears. He's a solid blocker. He's solid in the run game, and it's all about you know utilizing what he does well and getting him open on on seam routes. And I mean, there at the end of the game, he kind of looked like Andy Dalton's trust blanket. You know, getting first downs, uh, you know, getting to the sideline. Um, it's really good good to see. It's just a matter of the coaches just need to keep getting him involved. I mean, that's all there is to it. How much does he remind you of uh, Tyler Eifert? And Andy Dalton liked him a lot during their days with uh, in, in Cincinnati. Shit, the days that Eifert could actually stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, exactly. But, like, he's that kind of – I mean, it's the Golden Domer tight end, right? Yeah. They all the Kyle Rudolph. The same. Kyle Rudolph, Mike Mayer kind of looks that way. He might be a little bit more athletic. Uh, Komet, um, 
who was old boy you just said uh eifert all these guys golden dome tight end you you know they're uh they all look the same and they're good at what they do. You know, they're, they, that Kyle Rudolph is probably the pinnacle of, of what those guys have been. Um, and if, if we get that out of commit, I will be ecstatic. That's a fine second round draft pick. And in all honesty, I mean, all of the previous, you know, last year's draft class kind of picks in the year before are, are all contributing pretty well for the bears. And, <laughs> You know, now's the time to evaluate these guys. Who's going to be here in the long run? Who's not? You know, use this opportunity to evaluate Pace's um, kind of personnel decisions um, as we wind down the stretch here because obviously we know – I mean, let's face it, the Bears are one game out of a playoff spot, but <laughs> they play the Vice Packers, the Cardinals, and the Giants. Um, I think we'll find out in the next two weeks that they're not really one game out of the playoff spot. <laughs> they're much further behind. Although let's, who knows, maybe they're competitive and win one of these games, but uh, I'm skeptical. <laughs> very, very skeptical. Uh, not feeling good. Lucas, the team that has knocked you out of the survivor pool two times this year is the only win I thought we had left on the schedule. I don't think that we can beat the Giants at this point. The Giants stink, man. They, yeah, we do too. They pull out bullshit every now and again. Daniel Jones will probably have like an 80-yard touchdown against us. Yeah, the, bear, the Bears stink Run. too. Yeah, Bears are terrible. I, 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 I understand, but a lot of these wins that – like last week, for example, like that is just – in that division game, anything can happen. I just – in my opinion, the Giants are a whole level worse than the Bears. And that's mm-hmm. saying something. I, I, I think the Giants. I think the Giants are on Jets, Lions, Texans level bad. I think we're right there with them. I think we're slightly above them, Joe. I really do. I think our, for whatever reason, I, I just I don't know. I, I give the Bears a little a little notch up on those teams. I don't think the Bears are the bottom of the bottom of the league, but they're close. <sighs> they are close. How many more wins do we got this year? Did we see our last Two. win on Thanksgiving? Two wins. I think they'll beat the Vikings once, and I think they'll beat the Giants. Sad. That's completely possible. Are Six we healthy? Wins. Are we healthy when we play the Vikings? We're not healthy now. No, I know, but would we be or will we be? Is the question. Uh, two weeks from now? Yeah, we should be. I mean, it really. I don't. I don't know the severity of Roquan's injury and. I really want to see him play just because I think he can. I think if he plays the rest of the season, even at a decent level, I think he'll an all pro this year. Um, is that the home game just, or is you, that the, the road game? Oh, uh, we're home away home. So the first Vikings game is home. Okay. Okay. We, it's po- yeah, maybe it's possible. Maybe two more wins. I mean, better, I <laughs> better soak them up. Well, I mean, it's all about building for next year. And, you know, even though the Bears don't have a first, a high second is a nice consolation. Um, we'll see what they do with it. There's, I mean, this is, this is it. For, this is it. Uh, dude, I don't, I'm starting to feel like Ryan Pace might not even stick around anymore. Me too. I feel like, I, he might stick around in the organization. I think they're going with a new GM though, regardless. I think they might move Pace up or down, promotion through, demotion through promotion. We'll see. Um, but, I'm not confident that Nagy or Pace will be retained after this at, in their current positions. At this point, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I, I hope that they're not. 
Uh, and I used to be a huge, huge Ryan Pace stan, but just, uh Like, what has changed? Like, you're, you've changed your tune in, like, a week or two. Like, what the hell happened that Ryan Pace is now the devil? No, I mean. I still like him. I just don't I do like him. Back. I do I, like it. It just seems like it's trending toward them cleaning house. I don't know why. I, 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 so, you know, we, I we know, the- we know we've heard, we've heard that he will lead the charge for the new head coach. Have we not? I'm starting to see different reports now, just from random people on Twitter, just saying, oh, George McCaskey's really pondering this if Ryan Paisley would be back in his current position, blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I, guess, I don't know I what guess, to believe. I guess both can be true. He doesn't have to be the GM to lead the head coaching charge. I guess that's both can be true, right? Yeah, I, I, I'm sticking to my opinion that I think he'll be – promoted to some kind of president of some sort. I mean, I guess it all really depends on who they bring in. Like there, there has been, was it somebody on Twitter said they really like Jim Harbaugh. And I mean, the ties are all there. If he does decide to leave Michigan, you know, then, you know, he's going to be more of like an executive type head coach. That's going to want full control. And then, you know, that's a lot. First off, that's a lot to put on a coach. Second off, where does Ryan Pace even fit into that scenario? Probably the same way the Seahawks are run where Schneider just kind of oversees stuff that Pete Carroll wants to do and they go through their decisions together. But I don't know. I, I really don't know. Chris, we got to get our article out and do our research. And there's just so many, so many different options for the Bears. It's It's hard to really pinpoint. I mean, how do you, I mean, I think I feel like Bears fans kind of went ape shit on Jim Harbaugh because he beat Ohio State once. What do you guys? I was. You guys I I have been on the Harbaugh train well before that. Even going back to when they hired Nagy, I wanted Jim Harbaugh to be the Bears coach. So, that's fair. Um, but yes, I I agree. A lot of a lot of it did get triggered through that win. But in my opinion, I mean, it's it's always been floated around that he has said that the Bears would be his dream job, and we'll see. I just think. Having a guy with a track record to back up an NFL track record, to say the least, to back up you know his coaching uh, kind of legacy is is kind of huge. I mean, he he won a lot of games with San Francisco, and I don't think I think people kind of take that too lightly. I think uh, I don't know. I think he did a great job over there. Yeah, I think the the Harbaugh team uh, has Luke at least has been on Harbaugh for a li- most of this year. Uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't really feel that great about, I can poke a hole in pretty much any candidate that you, that you bring it, that you bring up, uh, for one reason or another. Harbaugh is no different in exactly for the reason you said, Chris, uh, the, the control issues and you might get a good first handful of years, but is he, is he, you know, Harbaugh has shown he, he he burns out in places. He he wears out his welcome in places. So how long is, is this team ready for a quick turnaround? I, I don't know. Maybe with the amount of free agents that they have, but are they going to be hindered with uh, money issues because you're paying guys like Nick Foles and Andy Dalton? And I don't know. So lots, lots of mystery ahead of us. Joe, you're a you're a big college football fan, and you know obviously you know yourself about Harbaugh as well. 
explain to everybody how Jim Harbaugh wears his welcome out. What what does that mean? Is it like with management? Is it with the fans? Is it with the players? What what do you mean by that? I think at least in San Francisco, uh, in San Francisco, I think he wore his welcome out with the players. I think that basically the you know who's got it better than us? Nobody kind of stick is uh it kind of wears thin after you hear it uh, for a couple of years on in and, and you know uh having your steak with milk and things like that like not 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 those things like as examples but what, what would you say i like it's just just his hard-nosed attitude you gotta be you know i guess is bill belichickian uh just old, he's old school, school attitude yeah he's old school to the game and and you know it's fine for a while but you know, after you after you win to the level that you start winning in San Francisco, you either need to turn the roster over and and get new new players in who are going to continue to buy in, you know, or, or, or the play, the older players who are winning start being like uh, you know start kind of being over the bullshit. I mean, the way the NFL is kind it of works, it works well anyway, for college. It works well it does, for college, right? Because it's four years and out, three years and out, but. For the NFL, you know, where your average career is less than four years anyway, and roster turnover is happening so quickly now anyway because you need to keep the the price down, you really only need to keep your quarterback happy, right? So as long as him and Fields get along, I guess it could work. But And Fields wants to be coached hard. He likes that that kind of presence. So I think it could work out. I'm not a big, you know, rah rah Jim Harbaugh guy. I don't have an opinion either way, honestly. I do like the 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 mystique of it, the history behind, you know, Jim Harbaugh being a Bears quarterback and he's a Packers know, beater, a, the throwback and and all that. I, I love that aspect of it, but I'm not gonna, you know say he's the he's the guy because of that stuff but i don't i honestly don't know like lucas said we need to dig in and, and figure out well you know where our I positions mean, are on these people and my my response to that those kind of sentiments toward possibly not wanting jim harbaugh would be um you know a lot of these old school coaches they get their um, they kind of get their respect through through winning. You know, all yeah. it takes is one Super Bowl for a guy like that to be widely respected. Because you know, Belichick doesn't he doesn't need to change his ways just because he can point to his Super Bowl case and say, "You want to play for me? You do it my way." A guy like Pete Carroll can do the same with how many you know with his Super Bowl. You know, Jim Harbaugh, Sean Payton, all those guys are in their respect. They're all old school guys. Bruce Arians. They all earn their respect because they've won before, and all it takes is one. And then after that, that's all. That's all you need to get players' respect, really. So, I see what you're saying, but it's also uh, I feel like a lot of that mentality. Um, those are the. I, I feel like a lot of you know. I don't. I don't know if a lot of these new school coaches have really caught up to some of these guys who who stay winning. I mean, just I don't know. I don't know. I think he's just. I think Harbaugh also knows how to win in Chicago, right? Like he knows oh, how to absolutely. play to the weather. He knows to run the ball. He knows to play, you know, some hard-nosed defenses. Those defenses in, in San Francisco were good. You know, yeah. they were really good. Very. And they were under Fangio as well, which, you know, hey, maybe the Broncos get tired of Fangio and part of the band comes back together and you never know 
you know, I know, <laughs> I know Chicago would welcome Vic Fangio back with open arms. And, you know, if Jim Harbaugh is the head coach and Fangio is the DC, it almost doesn't matter who the OC is, but, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens with, uh, with Ryan Pace in that scenario, but enough of all that drama. Uh, we don't need to get into that anymore. Anything else you guys want to say about the Lions game? It was ugly, but we won. I thought we ran the ball like shit. I don't understand why the hell we couldn't run the damn ball. We didn't give David David Montgomery again was ripping off long runs, and here we go. Just let's not give him the rock. Uh, let's not run the stretch zone. Let's try these inside zones, which we clearly don't know how to block. But, hey, you know, who am I? Yeah, no, the Lions definitely made it out a, a game for Andy Dalton to beat them, and Andy Dalton did just barely enough to do it. Um, <laughs> it is what it is. I, I just I don't know if the, the Lions literally might not win a game this year. We'll see. I mean, they, they always play tough. They just aren't good enough to – to get over the top it's it's plain and simple but on to the uh arizona cardinals um who the bears will be hosting this week at soldier field um let's bring in our guest ed is in the uh the waiting room here let's admit him in here it's welcome in ed gentlemen great to be on with you and i feel your pain I was listening backstage, and you know, you, you guys, man, I, you know, we we were once there just a few short years ago, and I guess the the, the message is hope springs eternal. You never know what the future might hold, but in the meantime, I feel your pain, brothers. Absolutely, <laughs> Amen, my friend uh, Ed. Why don't you go ahead and and tell the folks a little bit about yourself? Obviously, former NFL player. Uh, uncle to a former NFL player. Why don't you give your Roll Tide. folks a little bit of background about yourself? <laughs> well, you know, my ties go deeper than even that. You know, I was actually drafted by the Chicago White Sox way back in 87. Played a few years, like four and a half years with them. Uh, nine years total of minor league baseball. Made another stop in uh, Chicago with the uh, Cubs in 94. So, you know, I'm rooting on the east and the west, or the north and south side. And then uh, got into the NFL a few years, uh, you know, after that. Played uh, with the uh, Washington football team, Atlanta Falcons for a couple of years. Went to the Super Bowl in 98 with the Dirty Birds. Mm. Uh, actually played in the XFL as well after my NFL career. And then, as you mentioned, my nephew, Irv Smith Jr., he's on IR this year. He messed that knee up at the start of the year, but he's up there in uh, Minnesota along with my brother who had an eight-year career out of Notre Dame with the uh, Saints, uh, Niners, and Browns as well. So we, we're steeped in the NFL, brothers, and, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a long journey, but, you know, like I said, we, I've enjoyed it up to this point and really excited to be on to talk about this uh, matchup with you guys. Yeah, that pedigree, that Smith pedigree runs deep. That's that's awesome. And to have, you know, that baseball background and, and quite a long career uh, before even going into the NFL is just that's amazing. So we're glad to have you happy to talk about this, uh, this matchup coming up. You have a do you still do radio out there in Arizona or what's that looking like? for you? Yeah, I'm, uh, easy sports talk uh, has been on the air out here on 1060 uh, KDUS um, AM 
for the last four and a half years. And I also do the Believe in the Arizona Cardinals podcast on the Believe Network. Uh, so keeping busy, man, and love doing these type of shows. You know, doing this, this is my busy time of the year. Every week, you know, talking whoever the Cardinals are matched up against. And, uh, you know, excited to talk Bears, even though you guys are going through it right now. But this is one of those opponents we don't see all the time. So I'm looking forward to this. And we did our uh, Believe podcast earlier. And I was talking to my Raiden, my partner, about what it's like to step on the field of Soldier Field, regardless of how good the Bears are. It's just like an honor and a privilege to be there to say that you actually stepped on those hallowed grounds, which I can say I did at least a couple times. But regardless of how good the team is, you're talking about like the one of the cathedrals of uh, professional sports is definitely always, you know, when you can chalk that one off on your list, uh, it's always a good one. Absolutely. And there's been recent news that the Bears uh, might be moving out of there in the next, you know, decade or so. So uh, we got to cherish it while it lasts. I personally am a huge fan of Soldier Field, but I know some yeah. of the fans are ready uh, for for a newer stadium. And uh, I know the, the field conditions at Soldier Field aren't always up to par with some of the other stadiums, but uh, it's definitely old school for sure. <laughs> yeah. And everybody wants those shiny new toys. And I've been to all the newer stadiums, you know, during, during my career. I had the, the, I guess, the honor or dishonor of playing with the Eagles in Veterans Stadium. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, some of those old stadiums, you look back, you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that we actually were out there on that. And then you look at all these, like I said, these shiny new toys. But there's something about going to some of the older stadiums. And I, I'll tell you, uh, before it was demolished in my rookie, my first full season of minor league baseball I was in South Bend, Indiana in 1988. One of our games we played in Old Comiskey Park uh, against nice. the Kenosha Twins. You're talking about just – That's awesome. You know, Old Comiskey Park. That's all you need to say. Yep. That thing was as rickety. As a matter of fact, you know, in the locker, I was waiting for that whole thing to fall down <laughs> while we were there. <laughs> just to look back all these years and say that I actually had an opportunity to play there along with some of these older, some of these older football stadiums. So, cherish uh, Soldier Field while you have it. I hope they can figure something out because I just can't imagine Bears being – anywhere but there for sure for sure i'm with you the the, uh the vet was quite the place i you know i grew up right out i grew up right outside of philadelphia so you know i got to see it a few times growing up and then uh obviously they demolished and built the lake but i'm a south South jersey man myself lucas so you know i was born and raised in south jersey right across the ben franklin there you go yep i'm i'm about 45 minutes, you know, southeast of Philly. And now I, I live up toward Boston. So, okay. um, but definitely some, some uh, interesting memories of the vet. That that was quite the hostile stadium to play in. <laughs> if you're an opposing team or fan. <laughs> well, anytime you can boo Santa Claus and throw snowballs at him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I so, uh, Go ahead. Oh, I was going to ask Ed. So where, where does your allegiance lie? I mean, you're you kind of, you know, based in New Jersey, uh, did you grow up an Eagles fan or, you know, are, are you, you know, a full-time Cardinals fan or, you know, my, my, be honest with you guys, after you play for a little while, you know, you kind of lose allegiances, you know, you have some good stops some bad stops. My allegiance lies with my fantasy football team, the easy, easy riders. <laughs> so as long as they're doing well, everything is good in this world, which is not happening this year, but, you know, I follow the Cardinals. Uh, you know, like I said, I was born and raised in South Jersey. Never was like what you call a diehard car, uh, Eagles fan or Giants or anything like that. Uh, kind of floated around different teams, Denver, Cowboys, uh, sad to say. And then 
once I started playing ball, like I said, it was more about just following guys that I knew and played with and coaches who are still coaching. You know, I have several that uh, on Steelers staffs and different staffs, and I follow those guys, but I don't have a particular allegiance. I love that the Cardinals are doing well because obviously it makes our life a lot more pleasant following them when they're successful in place of like, you know, we've been doing a believe podcast for three plus years now. And when it's bad, as you guys might experience, it's just tough to come on sometime and talk when it's like, there's, you feel like there's no hope. So the fact that the Cardinals are doing well, the city is high. Um, you know, I'm high on them right now, even though I'm taking a little bit of a beating because at the beginning of the year, I didn't have any faith in this team after you know, the six and three start last year faltered to eight and eight. I had the Cardinals pick to finish eight and nine on the season. They've already got nine victories. So I'm taking my beating out here in terms of my bad prognostication. But like I said, it's a pleasant surprise. What can you do? Joe, I can't hear you, buddy. Oh, well, the mute might be helpful. <laughs> uh, no, can you? I was going to say, uh, since the Cardinals are good uh, this year, can you go into some of maybe the keys that uh, that have turned around the franchise or or gotten them off to this really hot start? Obviously, you pulling in guys like JJ Watt, pulling in guys like AJ Green. But uh, for for a casual, what, what what's really been the key to uh, the Cardinals finding this this success this year? You know, quite honestly, Joe, it's the the the. I guess the attitude of this team and the entire organization. I've been here and in uh, my own situations where, you know, you don't even know what to expect when you go to the yard every day. This team, for some reason, has been able to turn that around. I give all the credit to Cliff Kingsbury. He's uh, kind of developing that culture there where it's not acceptable to go out and be mediocre. These guys are really showing me that there's a plan there and it's not based on wins and losses. About three years ago, we had Steve Wilkes as our head coach out here. We had just drafted uh, your man out of uh, UCLA. Josh Rosen. It was almost like that was the worst watching of football that you can imagine. Every week they went out, and it was like they had – it was like no fire, no uh, direction. They were just going out there every week winging it, whereas this year I've seen an actual plan, and they've stuck to it. And Cliff Kingsbury has this team – kind of firing all cylinders, not just on the field, but preparation-wise. Uh, we're fighting through injuries. We've had three games that just came up. Kyler Murray, each week was a game-time decision. We were, and in my opinion, I knew he wasn't going to play in any of those three, yet nothing changed in terms of just because we didn't have certain personnel. Those guys still went out there and not just played ball, but dominated. You go out, you beat a San Francisco team on the road, came home and laid an egg against Carolina. Sometimes you can take those a little lightly. But then we go on the road and we beat Seattle. And that's all because of the preparation. These guys, the game plan, uh, everybody being prepared. This stuff doesn't happen just by, you know, by by happenstance. This is actually, and I got on Kingsbury for a while because it always seemed like he was just kind of winging it. He wasn't really ready to make the adjustments in game. It's like he came into a game and this is the game plan. We're going to run this for 60 minutes. Well, if they're doing something to stop what you're doing, you need to make an adjustment. He has actually gotten to the point where he is, I can see, he's making in-game adjustments, taking advantage of game plans that are working, and it's really, it's really exciting. Like I said, I never would have expected this from this 
team from, you know, and then, like I said, with us missing pieces and still going out there and getting wins, not just at home, but on the road, it's been very exciting so far. Yeah, Ed, I actually uh, grew up in Arizona, uh, went to high school out there, uh, and I, I went through a lot of bad Cardinals years. Yes. Um, you know, only playoff year was Jake Plummer in like 98, and uh, the year I graduated high school, so that kind of kind of dates me. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun to see them be better and a lot more fun. Um, and you, you mentioned the organization is, you know, kind of – on fire throughout the whole organization do, do the bidwell still own the cardinals and how, what's your feeling on on the ownership there they do and one of the things chris that's actually shocked me is they've given kime steve kime kind of carte blanche to say okay go do what you got to do and kime is pretty much you know if you guys are poker players he pushed every chip to the middle of the table and said let's roll you go out and you get a jj watt which i didn't agree with we all know JJ's injury prone, and here he is on possible IR, or they're at least going to see if he can finish the season. We'll see, you know, maybe a couple games at the end. You go out and you get a older AJ Green. Uh, you go and get, you know, a couple years ago D Hop, and some of these things they could have really blown up in Kime's face. Uh, you go out and you get a, a Ertz. You know, this is stuff that mm-hmm. in past years. These things would have never happened, but ownership has given him kind of the ability to say, hey, go do what you need to do because the time to win is now. We're not looking to build in three or four years. So it's been really kind of exciting. You know, you worry about your future a little bit because you are kind of uh, leveraging some, I guess, some future uh, draft picks and different things. But they've gone out, and in, like I said, in past years, you would not have seen this. And I'm very kind of just I'm shaking my head like, wow, they really do have a belief and a faith that this is, you know, maybe a, one of the better opportunities that we might might have. And like ownership, I give them a lot of props and time and all the way down to Kingsbury and the entire staff. It's been, you know, Chris, you've been here before. You follow some of these Cardinals teams. You know they do not let, and not even just Cardinals teams, Arizona teams in general, you know, whether it be the Cardinals, Suns, Diamondbacks, they do not like to spend money mm-hmm, at all. Mm-hmm. And to see, them, to see them just go into the pockets a little bit is encouraging. Yeah, for a big, for as big of a city as Phoenix is and as big of a population as it is, it, you, you'd think it'd be more of a media market, but it really isn't. And yeah. you, it kind of reflects in the way the sports teams operate, you know. So uh, it's fun to see, you know, the Suns, like you said, were really good last year. They were a lot of fun this year. They got a big game tonight. Uh, the Cardinals doing really good big things. You know, they got the stadium out in Glendale a while back, which is nowhere near Phoenix and nowhere near, <laughs> you know, uh, Sun Devil <laughs> Stadium, which I grew up with. So that was a big change for me. Um, I, the, the biggest game I can remember uh, that that the Glendale stadium is the, uh, you know, the Denny green. We are who they thought they were Mm. bears Monday night Cardinals game. One of my favorite football games ever. Um, but let's talk a little bit about this, uh, this current bears Cardinals matchup. Um, first off is Kyler going to, is he going to roll out? Is he ready? It's Tuesday. We're going to see with Wednesday and Thursday practices. We, you know, I've been keeping my eye on this. Whenever you get the didn't practice Wednesday, limited Thursday or didn't practice Thursday, and then they do the 
Friday practice where he was a light participant. You might as well throw the Friday practice out the door. I've been at Friday practices. They're pretty much walkthroughs just to go over game plans and stuff like that. So I'm going to be monitoring his early week status. And I'll advise you guys this. If they get to Thursday and he's still a non-participant and they give him the old game time uh, designation, count on him not playing because they're not going to throw him out there after all this time with no practice on the field in whatever type of up-tempo they'll 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 rely on Colt McCoy again if they have to which if you think about it they're playing with house money you've got three weeks of Kyler sitting you went out and beat two of your division foes with a backup quarterback and obviously you gave one away when you played against us Carolina but right now they're playing with house money they're with the bye week being this late in the year in the beginning of the season I thought wow a bye week in week 12 that is horrible. That's like an eternity away. Now that you've made it to it, though, and you're 9-2, and two, now you get that break, and then that window to the end of the season, six games, that is not a far run. So those teams mm-hmm. that have buys in week four and five, man, those dudes are sucking wind right about mm-hmm. now, whereas the Cardinals are getting that late, late rejuvenation week. Six weeks ago, if they do get Kyler out there, he's definitely going to be 100% because I don't think they'll throw him out there just to have him out on the field after sacrificing and getting him to this point. You, you got to imagine that uh, Cliff Kingsbury is looking what they looking at what they've already done uh, def- and thinking we can we can handle the Bears with Cole McCoy one more week if we have to. <laughs> you would think, and I know they went into the Carolina game thinking the same thing, Joe. So the one thing I always warned everybody about is from week to week in the NFL, you don't know who's ready to kick your behind. So if you go into the week with the mentality of, hey, we're just going against the Bears, they're four and seven, that's when you end up losing one like you did against Carolina. I guarantee you, if they could go back two weeks to that Carolina game, think about it, they would be 10 and one versus nine and two. And with the race going on in the NFC conference, you got Green Bay breathing down your neck. Uh, They're only a game behind you as far as win-loss, but they have the tiebreaker because they came here and beat you. That could come – that Carolina loss could come back to be the reason why you have to play Mm -hmm. in the first round of the playoffs and in place of not getting that bye. So I guarantee you that was something that was spoken about by Cliff. We can't take anybody lightly. I know the Bears aren't playing well. We don't know whether we're going to get the Red Rifle or, you know, young (laughs) rookie quarterback, but whatever we do – we better go there ready to handle our business. Otherwise, we'll be looking at playing uh, a week earlier than we're hoping to in the playoffs if we get to the playoffs. There's still no guarantee. Yeah, that's what that's what I was going to ask. I mean, is there any urgency to – I know you said, you know, you, you got through three weeks and a bye week, you know, with Kyler sitting. But is there any urgency to get him back out there to play just so you don't lose that bye week? Because obviously, you know – if you get that bye week and you have home field advantage through the playoffs, your chances of making the Super Bowl are so significantly higher. Um, yes. And the one the one place you don't want to play in the playoffs is Green Bay. So, <laughs> I mean, that is just – it is monumental for the Cardinals um, to get that bye week. And trust me, I think I can speak on behalf of Bears Nation everywhere listening to this. The Cardinals are the team that the Bears are going to be rooting for in the playoffs to beat Green Bay. Yeah. Plain, yeah. plain and simple, they will be. Um but going back to this week, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, do you do you you don't think they would rush Kyler back though to I don't, to make I don't sure think they, they can... I don't think they rush him, Lucas, but I do think 
that this late, if this was week six or seven, you'd be thinking, hey, we got, we can get Kyler back in, and then we've got the long haul to go. I think right. more than anything, you want to get him acclimated back in, into this offense as soon as he is 100% healthy, because you got to think about it, this stretch six games ago, this is the back half. This is where, you know, now you're going to be jockeying for a playoff position, uh, that by uh, continuity, you're going to want to play, be playing your best ball at this time. And the longer he's out, the longer it's going to take him to get his legs back up under him, timing with receivers. You've got uh, D-Hop, who never practices. He's a game day dude every week. So how are they going to gel together? How is this offense going to feel when he gets back in and, uh, uh, you know, when you're, you've been working with a cult for these last four years or four, four weeks, basically, basically a month? So I think it's imperative that as soon as he's healthy, you don't want to rush him, but you definitely want to get him back out here for this stretch run. you got some division games coming up, et cetera, et cetera. You want him firing on all cylinders when we get to the end of whatever, wherever it all ends up, whether we get that first round by or we get first game at home, however it works out. You don't want Kyler sitting around for a few more weeks trying to shake rust off, getting ready for the playoffs. I reminded my uh, radio partner earlier today, it's one thing, the regular season, you always have that opportunity. You go out and you lay a stinker. What do you say? Well, we're going to learn from this. We're going to get better. We'll go out there and we'll get them next week. When you get to the playoffs, it's dog eat dog. This is win or go home. And I've been there several times. In you know, I had a first round bye when I was with the Falcons all those years ago. You know, and that was a glorious thing. After 16 weeks, you know, you're like, oh my god, we get to sit home, get a paycheck while everybody else has to go out and play, and then we find out who we're going to play. You know, so that bye week is so essential for one. But like I said, when you get to that point in time, now. You got the best of the best playing for the right to move on each week. You don't have opportunities for rust or to shake this off, and we'll get them next week. And that's why I think the sooner Kyler can get back into the mix, get control of his offense, get it back under his identity, the better. Yeah, definitely. The Cardinals have a, a top five scoring offense, top four uh, scoring defense. So very well-rounded team. Uh, I know Lucas and I are big fans of Chandler Jones and uh, <clears throat> some of the other defenders over there. Tell us a little bit about the uh, the Cardinals defense and how they've had a lot of success this year. What I like, Chris, is that this defense, if you look, if you think about it, a lot of times we'll hear about a dominating defense and you got one or two names you can just throw out there. And this is how, how they're doing, how they're doing it. This defense, you know, Chandler Jones goes out in the first week of the season against Tennessee, he gets five sacks. So everybody imagines, man, he's going to have 60 sacks by the end of the year, you know, that type of thing. But we all know that's not the case. Teams get filmed, they start keying on certain guys. For the last bunch of weeks, Chandler's been pretty quiet according to his standards. But if you look down, one of the things I do every week at the end of the uh, games, you know, we do get ready for our podcast next week, I go down that list of – who played on defense and how many tackles in our situation, Chris, we'll go down. You'll have sometime six, seven, eight guys with just one tackle in the game. And then you'll get your other guys. who got the six, seven, eight, you know, that type of thing. What I'm liking is that Vance has this entire unit out there contributing. And it's not just one guy, one week. It'll be this guy. What I didn't like last year, it was the year of Buda Baker. Buda Baker was all over the place. There'd be games when he had, 15, 16 tackles. 
And I'm thinking if your safety is making that many tackles, that means he's doing a whole lot of tackling beyond the line of scrimmage unless he's blitzing all the time. That's not the case. Support. A lot of run support. This year we have a whole bunch of guys that are contributing, and Vance has made it where this defense is very non-predictable. And one of the things I've, that over the last couple, you know, last year especially, it got to a certain down distance. It's like you can almost map out. I might as well have been a defensive coordinator. I was like, I know he's going to come with, you know. And this year he's had guys coming from every different angle, uh, whether it be to stuff runs or to blitz quarterbacks and make them uncomfortable. And that's what I really liked and enjoyed so far this year. It's not one dude doing it. It's a whole team effort and very non-predictable. He's really coming from every uh, angle that you can imagine. And I kind of watch football like almost like Neo with the Matrix. You know, I, I, I just see it in a different manner sometimes. And I'll, I'll sit there and watch. I'm like, Damn, you know, because I like to think sometimes as a former tight end, how would I have approached that? Or And some of those looks, even when you have the ability to hit the rewind and look back, it's like, how the hell do you defense that or, or offense against that? I'm nasty. So that's the one thing that I'm liking uh, from that side of the ball to this point. Yeah, they have a they have a lot of good things going for them, and like you said, there's not a lot of superstars over there or a lot of you know big names doing doing big things like Buda Baker running all over the field last year. Um, and you know, if we do see Justin Fields this week, it'll be a good test for that that kid to progress uh, against a defense that is different and is scheming in different ways and showing different looks. Um, could be an ugly game, you know, yeah. like the Browns game. Uh, but <laughs> hopefully, you know, we do get to see Justin Fields back behind, back under center. Uh, we see a little bit more of his progression. Uh, we really have enjoyed watching him kind of step up this year and show um, a lot of a lot of talent. That Steelers Monday Night game was a blast. Uh, obviously, the Lions game, the first one was was a lot of fun for Justin. Uh, what are you looking forward to uh, watching on the Chicago side of the ball? You mentioned, you know, kind of being in the Chicago area uh, uh, early in your in your life that you uh, you know you like the Soldier Field atmosphere and the Bears, uh, you know, history. What are you looking forward to? I am looking forward, and I hope he does play Justin Fields. Um, and you mentioned, Chris, it can look ugly sometimes. Uh, rookie quarterback, you have no idea. Like most fans have no idea what's heaped on their shoulders in terms of having not just to know your position, but every single other thing that's going on in the field at the same time. It's a lot to process. The only way you get an opportunity to learn it is to do it. You can sit on the field, sideline, all you want. These young quarterbacks, in my opinion, need to get out there, see the struggle, uh, realize the struggle, and get better each and every week. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of Fields. I really, you know, I, I know his background. I know what his, at least I think I know what his potential is. I think you have to surround him with a little more um, on the offensive side. You're not going to get by with some of the pieces you have, including your offensive line. I think you have to get a little quicker and faster out on the uh, edges and then get him a quality running back that can take some of that burden off him. But that's all a process. I mean, that's something that doesn't happen overnight. And like I said, you have to get him out there so he can, you know, and it's, it's hard sometimes to watch these young guys struggle because it's like you, it's almost like being a parent of a child. You don't want him out there learning some of these hard lessons, but at the same time, you know, you know, you're going to go through it. 
after you're done, hey, we can have one of them nice little chats and I can tell you about, you know, this or that, birds and bees, whatever it is, and you're going to get better from it. Someday, someday you're going to be stronger and someday we're going to look back on this and this episode in your life is going to be something we can talk about and remember how tough it was, but we got through that. And that's what you have to do with these young quarterbacks. Uh, you guys, like I said, all I can say is just settle in. And I know there's question about whether Nagy is the guy to lead. Uh, there's all kind of different. And I see shaking <laughs> There's all kind of different, I guess, things you have to put into the equation, whether you have the right coach, the right offensive coordinator, uh, are we going to go out and spend the money on the right position to protect this young guy? You guys have a whole lot of questions that will need to be answered. The good thing is you've got uh, what I would consider uh, a great young talent. It's just one of those things, just don't mess it up. And it's hard to watch when it looks as bad as it does sometimes. But keep the faith, fellas. If they do the right things, you two can be like where the Cardinals are <laughs> sometime soon. <laughs> Well, you're, you're going nine and two, and one, one thing I w- I'd like just your help with is that uh, you lost the Packers, and you and you already kind of touched on on uh, the Panthers' loss. If the Bears are going to have some success uh, I, with Justin Fields or Andy Dalton, what are some of the things that, or concepts that the Cardinals have had trouble uh, de- dealing with this season that maybe the Bears can try on Sunday? That is a great question, Joe. Our biggest weakness, in my opinion, has been our run defense. Uh, we have been Absolutely. And what happens when you're nine and two, everybody looks at the wins, but sometimes they don't look at how you got the wins. You escaped a couple of times. Minnesota, wide right. I mean, that could have been a loss. Uh, You go over to Jacksonville, and then at the end of the first half, you have five points or whatever it is. You know, they ran the wall against us. We got gassed by some other teams. Um, That run defense, and I pointed at that earlier in our podcast today, it, run, it can be disguised now because you're getting those victories. When you get into the playoffs or deeper into the year when we're battling for all these different things, other teams are watching, especially those good teams. You look at what the Packers did to us. The Packers came in here, and if you guys ever get a chance, look at the first two series that the, pa- the Packers went out there. They were two, three and outs. They, and I thought to myself, damn, the Cardinals getting ready to put it on them. What the Packers did, though, they went off to the sideline, and you could tell they were getting after uh, um, uh, Rodgers, and they changed their entire game plan in a matter of after two short series. They realized, hey, we're not going to be able to drop back and do five and seven-step drops. What we're going to have to do is turn our short running game or short passing game into our running game. Then we're going to take Dylan and Aaron uh, Jones and run these fools right – Man, they started gashing us, and they never looked back in terms of trying to throw the ball down the field. It was all short passes and running attack right up the gut of our defense. Took control of the ball, prime time possession, et cetera, et cetera. The rest was history. Other teams will look at that, and if your Bears uh, coordinators are looking, trying to figure out how we attack this uh, Cardinals defense, if you watch them come out in the first couple series – and they, whether it's Fields or uh, Dill or um, um, Red Rifle, uh, Dalton. And Dalton. Dalton. Yeah. If either one of them, they come out the box and all of a sudden they're stepping back and trying to do seven step drops and go deeper, just cancel. You can cancel Christmas. The, the game is over. They Their attacks should be short and immediate 
into the interior of our run-up defense and try to attack the center of the field. You come out with anything other than that, you start trying to throw the ball deep and get that you're going to be in for a long day. And if, you know, and that's why, you know, I look at some of these uh, attacks against our defense and from the very beginning, sometimes I'm like, what are they thinking? Did they watch film this week? And look, so like I said, for me, if you guys center on trying to run the ball, which is, I mean, not necessarily your strength, but if you can start establishing that and then short intermediate passes, you know, even if you have to get your running backs in a lot of screens and stuff like that, I think you'll have success. But like I said, sometimes I wonder what, you know, who's getting paid to do what, because some of these coordinators, I have no idea what they're thinking going into these game plans. Well, Ed, uh, it sounds like you are in luck with uh, our friend Matt Nagy because he is known not to adjust. He he literally he doesn't adjust well in games uh, ever. So if his game plan doesn't work, he will just keep running it until it runs the team into the ground, which we saw versus Cleveland. Um, and you know sometimes his game plan does work and it's and it's great, but he doesn't adjust. Um, to go back to what you said, I mean, uh, surprisingly, the Bears are actually second in the NFL in rushing yards this season only behind the 49ers they're only down um 11 yards behind the 49ers in total rush offense so the bears do run pretty well um well last week they didn't look too good versus the lines if you watch that game you're probably like okay this team can't run the ball i I did watch that one unfortunately for sure (laughs) um but actually during the season the bears have had some success with khalil herbert david montgomery now the thing that is interesting i would say is Matt Nagy seems to run two completely different playbooks for who he has playing quarterback. So obviously you have Andy Dalton, you have Justin Fields, two completely different skill sets. Um, but the other week when Justin Fields got hurt, the bears threw their first screen pass of the game. And look at that. Darnell Mooney takes it to the house, 70 yard touchdown. When Justin Fields is in there, Matt Nagy does not call many RPOs. He doesn't call many screens. Um, and he tries to dial up a lot of big plays. So if that's the case, like you said, the Bears might struggle in this. Um, it'll be really interesting. I I don't know if Fields will be ready to play, honestly. They said he was a you know kind of on the fence about playing Thursday. I don't mm-hmm. know if I believe that. They said he had actually broken ribs and was more uh, significant of an injury than people thought. So, honestly, if Matt Nagy wants to stick to his old ways, Andy Dalton actually might be able to execute a better game plan versus Arizona than Justin Fields. And that's if Matt Nagy doesn't change what he's calling. Um, we'll see if he plays, though. But like you said, the Bears should try and run the ball. We'll see if he actually does that. Um, but I think everyone in Chicago knows Nagy's a dead man walking. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see if he can try and rally the troops for this. But I'm not feeling too confident, um, especially the Bears defensively. Roquan Smith is the best player on their team. If he doesn't play this week, they are not going to slow down the Cardinals' offense whatsoever. I mean, they're not going to slow him down regardless, but having Roquan Smith out there to help slow down, you know, if Kyler Murray's out there, the rushing attack will be huge. We'll see if he plays. I I don't know, but uh, overall, I think the Cardinals match up pretty well with the Bears, and and the Bears might be in for a long Sunday. You know, I agree with you too, Lucas. And I, you know, I picking this game. It's one of those. Well, if we don't go there and handle our business, this will be a disappointment. Uh, at the same time, anything can happen. I'm a little curious. You know, you have a young rookie quarterback who is almost like having with, – with, in most instances, you like to have someone similar, even if it's a veteran, similar to your rookie, so you can have kind of an assimilated game plan week to week. Now, you got Dalton, who's obviously a stationary 
guy, and he can run so many RPOs and different things. He's not a scrambler. He's not as dynamic yeah. as Fields. So you're even the confusion for you, like your offensive line and the timing and different things from week to week, you slot this guy in. Guys know where his landing spot is and what they can expect from him. Then you get Fields in there, and this is a young rookie who's going to be skittish from time to time. You have no idea where his landing spot is going to be and how soon he might hit the eject button to get out of there because he's not seeing everything as clear as a, a veteran quarterback. So you guys are in a really bad position, especially when you're going week to week. Well, right now it looks like Andy, but it could be Justin. And then last minute, hey, Justin's ready. We're going to put him in there. I do not envy you guys at all because you have absolutely no idea. And then you throw in Nagy, who is the epitome of what I talked about in the beginning with my early disappointments with Kingsbury. Like Kingsbury would come out and he had a game plan. And if they if, if it worked, it was like, okay, we're going to run this the rest of the game. And if it didn't work, he was like, okay, well, we're just going to keep running it until it worked. You know, and it's like you have to be more creative and more adaptable on the fly. And Nagy just doesn't seem to be that guy. And then you throw out the fact, Lucas, that, you know, he is a dead man walking. And guys start hearing that in the clubhouse and in the media. And your confidence in that guy as your leader starts to wane. You start thinking, well, who do I have to listen to him? He's not going to be here in two or three weeks anyway. And guys start, you know, prepping less. He's disrespectful. You know, just a little more disrespectful to leadership. And that's when, you know, you start seeing that water on the boat. And, man, I'm telling you, it doesn't take long for that dog thing is either full and sinking or you got guys willing to jump off whether they have a, a vest or not. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, I mean, it's even – it's it's gotten to the point where it's completely bled over into everything Chicago. You know, you have fans of the Bulls game saying fire Matt Nagy. You have people showing up to his kids' high school football game and saying it. I mean, it's, it's, it's just getting bad for him. It's, it's messed up, man. But the whole town is just, and I, and you know, honestly, it, it really comes down to ownership holding on to this guy for another year. They kind of let this snowball into this massive yeah, avalanche yeah. And, and here we are. But the fact the bears have Justin Fields is pretty much, the glimmer of hope for any new coach and any new staff that comes in is, Hey, you get this kid to coach and, and, and that's it. So I don't think the bears will have any trouble finding a very qualified head coach moving forward, but it's just getting through the season, man. Yeah. Um, do you guys have anything else before we wrap up? Ed, sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say the, the, the worst part about like, you know, you look at the future, like, Hey, this is a great job. We're going to get a new coach in here. If you're starting all over again, new staff, new offensive coordinator, and that is always that step back to take to hopefully take two forward. And you guys have been through it enough where it's like, golly, how many times are we going to take the two back to take the one forward or two forward? We end up in the same spot all the time. So I feel your pain, brothers. And <laughs> you said some you said some interesting things there, you know, uh, talking about more or less losing the locker room. Um, and you had mentioned earlier with like Kingsbury um, and kind of not being the stubborn coach he was in the past or maybe not. Maybe that's the wrong word. But, it, you know, when in relationship to Matt Nagy, that's how we all view Matt Nagy is just his stubbornness to not adapt an offense to fit the skill set players around him. And that, you know, that's what I think makes for a fantastic coach is somebody who sees the talent he has and works with what he has molds his offense or defense 
to what he has. And uh, Matt Nagy's not that guy. You know, it's 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 square peg round hole. He <laughs> tries to just, you know, make things. If I just have this perfect player set of these 11 guys, I can make my, you know, junk box offense work. And it, it's just not working and he's not adapting. And the funny thing is when he allowed other voices into the room, like last year with Trubisky and allowing a little bit more of a, you know, run dominant stretch zone, play action, rollout type style of offense that fit Trubisky's skill set and would honestly fit fields quite well. They did fine, you know, mm-hmm. and he just didn't want to do that. He took play calling back and we saw just a, a massive downgrade in in what's happening on offense and for a guy that was supposed to be you know an offensive minded coach people want to use the term guru i think that's a joke because he (laughs) gurus to me do what i said you know they they mold to what they have around them so um it's good to see cliff has kind of figured that out down there in arizona um I thought it was a little interesting this week when he was asked about uh, college opportunities that he just kind of <laughs> brushed it off, did sit, you know, wouldn't answer it. Um, I don't think he'd leave the NFL, but uh, you know, he's been, he's been a, an interesting college coach uh, in the past. So I just, I just found that fascinating, but um, yeah, let's uh, let's do some score predictions. And uh, if we have anything else from you guys, let's, uh, Let's talk about that first, but let's do some predictions. So I'm I'm checking what the uh, the line is currently at, and I'll give an update on that. So it looks like it's seven and a half to the Cardinals' favor. The over under is forty five and a half. Um, Double. Yeah, this is one of those ones. You know, after you guys, what I think you scored sixteen against Detroit last week, and you know you got our defense coming in there, and this one might not be a pretty game, even from our end. If we get Kyler back here, he might be a little rusty, but I see this game. This is one that after that lesson of losing at home against Carolina, and with everything at stake, I'm assuming coming off the bye week, we'll come out firing. Uh, you know get out early maybe establish our running game 24 13 i'm looking uh and at 13 like i said with if you got fields in there he might be swimming from all the ghosts he might see and if you got andy dalton he might be a sitting duck in that pocket with everything they're throwing at him so you know unfortunately for you guys this might be another one of those just you're looking at where you want to be but you're not quite there yet but cardinals 24 Bears thirteen. He's he's being nice. <laughs> I, I I agree. I that's, agree. That's it. That's the exact score I was gonna pick too. Oh, <laughs> you there you go, Luke. <laughs> I was literally thinking in my head. I was like, I was like, Bears will probably score one touchdown and kick a couple field goals. <laughs> so terrible. Where do you guys have it? Joe thirty-one. Ah, uh, thirty-one to thirteen. Thirty-one sixteen. Thirty-one okay. sixteen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, just running down some of your some of your Cardinal scores this year, you're over thirty in like almost all your games. Except, I mean, obviously, lost in your two losses. But I'll tell you guys one of my factors. You got to remember this too. Dome team going out to the. I don't know how blustery it's going to be in Chicago, yeah. but that is something that I always look. You know, man, when I was playing, I knew the schedule. I knew when we were going to Chicago, and if it was in September, October, I was like, yes. When I looked and it was like December, I was like, damn. 
So a lot of these guys, you know, I know we're a grass team indoors, but man, coming over there with that wind, that hawk coming off the water over there, will be a lot of dudes that are going to be looking forward to getting over there to the uh, heated seats. So that's why I'm cautioning on this being an explosive game. Okay. <laughs> not, not only that, I, I will say, I think the Bears in games like this, I do think, like Ed said, they're going to try and just ball control the whole thing. I think they might win time of possession, maybe. But I think that will just keep it the Cardinals relatively lower scoring than maybe some other teams just because the Bears play so slow. Lumbering, you know how it is, Joe. They're going to oh, run, yeah. the ball, yeah. run the ball. Yeah, run the ball. Run the ball. Play ugly. <laughs> punt, pin them down, run the ball, miss a field goal. <laughs> Maybe break one play here. Miss that, a field why... goal. <laughs> Cairo Santos doesn't miss field goals. They broke except him. For, they except for from 60 him. yards. They tried to make him kick a 65-yarder and broke him. He couldn't make a 45 or a 43-yarder after that, but he started a new streak. He's all right. He's all right. Uh, all right. I got it like – I was going to say like 35 to 10, but that, that – uh, that little speech right there about it being cold and ground and ground control made me rethink that. So uh, I'll do uh, I'll do thirty one to uh, no I'll do 28-13 Cardinals. We're all Bear in the down. same boat. Bear down, baby. <laughs> Yay, Bears! That's not too much dude. when you when you're picking against your own team to that effect. It's like that just makes it so tough because I know you guys. In your heart, you're like, we can win this, we can do this, and but your logic is like, come on, man, this is yeah. So I feel your pain, brothers. <laughs> and we're not trying to meatheads. Yeah, we try and keep it real, but I mean, at least preparing yourself for it and talking through it more, you know, makes you more prepared for the game, in my opinion. So absolutely, um, I've been we've been crushed many times before, so <laughs> the season is just par for the course. Uh, but like I said, we're all looking forward. Bears fans are just looking forward to next year and, and what they can be. Um, you guys obviously have a fantastic season going. And uh, after this week, like I said, I think we'll all be rooting for you to take down the uh, the team that we don't mention up north. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys having me on, man. It's been a blast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.